Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. want to say thank you very much for tuning in, whether it's on your radio or on the radio.com app, which is really uh, handy because you can uh, Bluetooth with your, your vehicle or an external speaker and listen to KMOX in crystal clear digital sound. But, uh... As I was preparing for this week's show, I boy, I, I, I thought I had it all in the bag. I was ready to go. Uh, we had you know the crazy debate on Tuesday, and a lot of people have been talking about that ever since it ended uh, pretty much on uh, Tuesday night. That seems like it's every conversation I've been into. How do you think they did? Who do you think won? Uh, wasn't it rude? Was it crazy? It was, it was all that and so much more. Uh, but as we put our eyes on the second presidential debate, which is still a couple of weeks out, we get news that the president and his wife, First Lady Melania, uh, the Trumps have uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Of course, you've heard that. It's been all over the news and uh, getting, you know, well wishes and prayers from both sides of the aisle and from every, you know, media platform out there. Uh, as much as as much as the left wants to, you know, pound on this president, uh, they have at least stepped forward and said, hey, we're praying for the president. We hope for a speedy recovery. And, and I do too. Of course, uh, I've known a few people, uh, probably less than a handful of people that have had COVID that I've actually had a chance to to talk to my sister, my nephew, uh, some dear friends we just learned had it uh, a, a few weeks ago, and we hadn't heard from him in, in a while. And you know, come to find out, they they did uh, get COVID nineteen, and it, they said it was rough. It was as bad as a lot of people say. Now, my sister and my nephew, they said it was kind of like a cold and a flu at the same time. And if you look at the statistics for COVID nineteen survival rates, the survival rate if you get COVID. From 0 to 19 years old, it's 99.997% survival rate. 20 to 49 years old, 99.98%. 50 to 69 years old, which is the window of time that Melania Trump is in. She's 50 right now. She has a 99.5% survival rate. And the president at 74 years old, it says 70 plus, is a 94.6% survival rate. So that's, that's good news. So other than mild uh, symptoms and a slight fever the president had on Friday afternoon, the medical staff at the White House is on top of the game. Democrats and Republicans have offered prayers and wishes of get well soon to both the president and the first lady. And some Democrats are wondering whether contracting coronavirus would change President Trump's outlook on the pandemic. In a tweet on Friday morning, uh, Vice President Biden wished the Trumps a swift recovery and said that he and his wife, Jill Biden, would continue to pray for the health and safety of the president and his family, as well as my family will be doing the same thing. 
thing. Uh, but it begs the question, will there be a second debate? If he's quarantined safely for uh, the 10 days that I heard that they were going to you know, expect that to last, he would have plenty of time to be well enough, hopefully, for the second debate, which is uh, going to be happening in Miami. So we'll have to see how that all pans out. So on the program for you, we've got lined out. The increase in little ones getting into poisonous cleaners is on the rise to the tune of 70% increase in phone calls to the poison centers of America. We're going to talk about Safe Kids and the Safe Kids Worldwide Organization will join us on the program. Also, divorce rates are on the rise during the pandemic. What's going on there? Uh, you, you know, isolation getting to you too much, maybe finding out you don't have a whole lot in common with your spouse. Well, divorce is not the only answer. And we have a, a divorce attorney that is going to shed some light on that with his new book, Exit Strategy. That is coming up in the second hour. We've got a, a, a sci-fi uh, fantasy author that I've just discovered. His name is Hammer Trolkin. We're going to talk to him about his two books that he has out called Shockwave. And other than the presidential debate and the president and first lady getting COVID, the other thing that I've been talking about all this week is the social dilemma, the Netflix docudrama that's out right now. Man, is it eye-opening. And I actually, I, I know Carol Daniel has not seen the entire documentary, but I did share the trailer with her. We're going to find out what she thought of that and what her online activities are and how she feels about it is coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. The Social Dilemma. Have you seen the documentary? It's getting a lot of traction. It's a Netflix docudrama. They call it a hybrid because there is a little bit of acting, but most of the people that are in it are experts from the social media world and some of the creators, like the guy that created the like button or the godfather of virtual reality. They're all in it, and most of them are off of social media, which is amazing to me. But the film explores the rise of social media and the damage that it has caused to society focusing on its exploitation of its users for financial gain through surveillance, capitalism, and data mining. We've all talked about algorithms uh, before, and, you know, the algorithms are, you know, in sync with what we talk about near our computers or near our phones. You know, you'll talk about a subject, next thing you know, you're seeing an ad for what you were just talking about. It's crazy. But uh, so I asked Carol Daniel to watch just the trailer before getting to the actual documentary because we don't have the time right now. Um, But it says in the documentary that for every keystroke that you have made on a computer connected to the Internet, it is saved. And so, Carol, you said uh, you were searching something last night that you don't want nobody to know about. What was what was that? What was that you were searching? Can't, can't even say <laughs> can't it. Can't do it. Can't do it. What's different about this, Carol, <laughs> is that it's a docudrama, so they right. call it a hybrid. So there is some acting in it, but all the people that are featured are people that used to be in the industry, like the guy that you just heard said, I was part of the team that developed the like button. Yeah, who knew? Right. I, I didn't know. And you know the three little bubbles that show up when you think somebody's texting you back? Right. That is by design to keep you on your screen. And you know what ought to happen is somebody hook electrodes to my brain. This morning I'm on Twitter and I went down we because there's a new phrase, the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. It's not oh, a yeah. new phrase, but it's yep. right. And I I remember this morning feeling this tightening in my chest because I went down a rabbit hole of super negative comments about a particular topic. Pick right. one. There's a lot of them, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And so hook electrodes to me as I wait for that bubble and wait for someone to respond. You know the, those electrodes you're talking about? Yeah. 
no electrodes. It's all wireless. It's all already it's totally it's happening. already moving us in ways that we didn't even realize. Uh, my wife and I one time were talking about how to build a greenhouse out of farm windows, old farm windows. Right. The next day, we see an ad. You got an ad. Not about greenhouses, about greenhouses with old farm windows. That's how specific. That's how specific it is. It yeah. is crazy, and uh, so to hear these very intelligent people that were on the front end of it, and they th- they said that the beginning of it, it, there was nothing nefarious about it. It was wonderful. The like button. The reason they brought the like button around is just to bring some positivity to social media, which was you know a wonderful thing. But they had no idea that we were so insecure. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, th- but they have graphs and information that talks about, uh, uh, you know, young people that uh, are hurting themselves, cutting themselves, or worse yet, uh, committing or attempting suicide out of the depression that is is fired off from all these things. And again, it's one of the, it's since it came out in early September, it's been in the top 10 of Netflix shows, but people are like, I don't know what it's about. I don't know what it's about. And then I watched it. I'm like, okay, now I know what it's about. Uh, They had some wonderful uh, statements made in there. Like any sufficiently advanced technologies are indistinguishable from magic. And Mm. it really is one of the guys that was an expert in designing some of these things. I think it was on Facebook uh, as a five year old. He learned some magic tricks and it blew him away that he could control. He could he knew the parts of your mind that wouldn't see the coin disappear in your hand. And so he loved that feeling that he he could fool adults. And now we look at what's going on. You know, there's been talk about uh, big data banks holding all this information. Right. Probably the recording we're on right now exactly. is going to be held. And they talked about them being in huge underground warehouses, underwater. I don't know where they're storing them underwater, but there's so much in this in this documentary. It's, it's unreal and surreal. It is so unreal. And one of this one of the lines that two lines jumped out at me. I took a look at look at these notes that I took in like forty five <laughs> seconds, um, filled a page. Is that fake news spread six times faster? True, right? Yeah. And that you you are fake news. You, yeah, and and that is so troubling. It's always been that way that we were driven by negativity the rubbernecker is a rubbernecker for a reason because you want to see there's the tragedy there's something in us right and it's always been there this is not new that we are gossip triggers things scientists know in your brain yes you gossip lights up your brain you can't turn away from the dumpster fire you can't turn away from the dumpster (laughs) fire and then the other thing bo that you said is that they're they what they have found is that they're using my psychology against me and so my question as a as a journalist as a mom as a wife as a friend as an employee as a human being is what in my psychology I know. are you using against my desire to be liked, it's my desire to be understood, my desire to be seen? What What are you, to, to be first, to be right? Do you, the last time we worked together, I brought in the pie cake in, right? Yeah. And we, we put the video up there. Thousands of views. On and it. we were looking at that. We were so excited about the thousands of views yes. that happened in a very short amount of time. Right. So to us, it's currency, but to the social media platforms, it, it's real money. It's real currency. It really is. Yeah. And the way they display it is, is amazing. Uh, Steve Jobs, way back when, said he compared the computers to a bicycle for our brain. And what to me, that says... 
we're on a rocket ship now because there's yes, so much information. Life. You mentioned uh, uh, six uh, fake news travels uh, six times faster than real news. Yeah. Uh, my wife has she has a saying that uh, the, the the rumors will make it around the earth six times or make it around the earth before I get, uh, the truth gets its shoes on. And it, it wow, it, it's so true. Which is troubling for my for my for my career in my industry. <sighs> yeah, it re- you know what it is, and it's caught me several times. As a matter of fact, last week I saw a a, a post, and it was about. Joe Biden being responsible for uh, SEAL team members that took out Osama bin Laden, that that he revealed the identities, and it just, it, I was emotional about it. I was yeah. so mad, right? Brain, your brain lit up. It, it did. And mm-hmm. you know what I did? I copied and I, I pasted it and I shared it. And immediately I looked back because, you know, I want to see what everybody else thinks. Right. And somebody put something that is a dear friend of mine so vile on there towards me. I was like, Hold on, I thought we were friends. I, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to share this information to get it out there. You know, you know, we're trying to get, we're trying to find answers. That's yeah. what, you know, even about. I thought you were going to tell me what you shared was fake, and you've realized. No, it was because you did. Oh, well, it, it's somebody shaded some, the shade. Yeah, somebody uh, posted a USA Today uh, right uh, article saying that it was debunked. It's not true. And I just felt so bad, especially to my uh, former neighbor. She said, my husband was not a loser, and Trump called all veterans losers. And I'm like, okay, this there's something took off. in there that is yeah. horrible. And I said, okay, sorry, everybody. I'm just trying to get answers like everybody else, so I delete the post. I will just say that I, fe- I have felt this for a long time now. I know we got to run is that I feel like we all need some, some form of therapy for where we are. Yeah. And I don't know who the therapist is or what is even wrong but i know something's wrong they said does that make sense yeah they said if we don't in this documentary they'll talk about it if you watch it uh that if we don't get it. that we don't get reform on this uh because the fcc has re, you know they've reformed television and radio so we have guidelines telephone lines they all have rules and the social media platforms don't really have that how guidance. do you reform my desire to be liked how do you reform that <laughs> How do you reform that? I don't know. I, I don't yeah. think it's just that. I think it's beyond that as far as the fake news right. and stuff that they, they feed you. Um, that Well, thank you for lighting my brain up. If we don't, if we don't <laughs> reform it, though, this could end in a civil war. I mean, that it could be a dystopian future. It's like utopia and dystopia all at the same time. Well, if you look at gun sales, you this, some feel like we're already there. Or prepared for it. Or prepared for it. Yeah, I, I guess so. So, uh, real quick before you leave, though, uh, did you have rules on your kids having phones? Uh, at, at, like, my, my now 20-year-old was the last person in his fifth or sixth grade class. Okay. Everybody has a phone. And I said, listen, there's nowhere you're going or no one you're talking to right. that I don't know. You don't need a phone until... You know, I mean, what, what are you driving somebody, calling somebody to pick you up? That's not happening. It's me. Right. Called, right. And so they were among their last friends to get phones. You you know, you couldn't be on your the computer at night. And I caught them many, many times sneaking out, you know, out of their bedrooms, you know, to be on to the computer, to go yeah. to be on the computer sure, at sure. night. Um, so we thought we had rules. They weren't. They weren't foolproof, and my one, my oldest is a software developer, so computers is what he does. <laughs> oh, he should watch this uh, social media yeah. uh, documentary. Uh, so, did you have rules for when it came to um, uh, letting him get on social media? No, well, they, they or it just kind of happened all at the same time. It, it happened all at the same time. I yeah. mean, they, they there wasn't there wasn't uh, I don't know how old is Instagram. I I don't know that they were on Instagram. Sure. Um, I think by time by the time they went to college. So let me just say, I didn't know. I didn't even know to check when they were 16. I know. 
when they were so 10 years ago, crazy, were yeah. they on? I don't even know. I will say this. If anybody doesn't watch the Social Dilemma docudrama, uh, the one thing they did say, turn off all your notifications for news and social media and all that stuff. That will ease your mind a lot. As I'm watching in three chunks this uh, this segment of, of Social right? Dilemma, my screen for the week, my screen time for the week popped up. By the way, you've been on your screen seven and a half hours per oh. day this week. I'm like, what? Seven oh. and a half hours? That's a full-time wow. job. That is a full-time job, which you're not getting paid for. Well, thank you for that reminder. Carol Daniel, thank you for joining me for this segment on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Stick around if you are, you know, crunching ideas and coming up with ideas for Halloween. What's that going to look like during this pandemic of the uh, world we live on? Well, we got a guy that's uh, pretty genius. Come up with an idea that he thinks is going to be fun for the kids and the parents. That's next on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And if you look at uh, where we started with the pandemic back in, what was it, February, we missed so many holidays. Really shut down began in March, uh, whether it was Easter, Memorial Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all these things. Halloween is coming up. Have you been thinking of ideas of how you're going to execute Halloween? Whether you're going to be going to a party, uh, whether you are uh, going to you know go trick or treating, are you going to do that? Well, we got some ideas on that front, but the CDC says virtual Halloween parties is really the safest of all. They do, they do say limit numbers of attendees as much as possible if you're going to have an in person party. Uh, increase ventilation by opening windows and doors to the extent that is safe and feasible based on the weather. And I'm not poking fun at it. I just I'm so tired. It's so fatiguing all of this stuff going on uh, especially when you look at the you know the the mortality rate is so far down now and of course so many people have lost people due to uh, COVID-19 it's it's frightening uh, but you know, even when I heard the president, or even uh, in Jefferson County where I live, uh, that the median age for death was 81 years old. Not that that's I mean that's that's still young in this day and age. But here's the thing: when you're going to do when you're going to do Halloween celebrations, you got to do it safely, right? We're all going to do that. Masks, that's no problem because we're all already wearing them. If everybody dressed as a, a surgeon, well, there's your mask that that would work into your costume, right? But if you'll be attending a celebration, you just need to be very careful. But when it comes to trick or treating, kids want to trick or treat. They want free candy, just like Jerry Seinfeld talks about. Candy was my whole life when I was a kid. That was first 10 years of my life. I think the only clear thought I had was get candy. <laughs> that was it. Family, friends, school. They're just obstacles in the way of the candy. I'm out for the candy here. 
I'm just thinking, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy. That's why you have to teach kids not to take candy from a stranger if they're playing in a playground, because they're such candy moron idiot brains. They're just, this man has candy, I'm going with him, goodbye, I don't care what happens to me, get candy, get candy, get candy, get candy. Don't go, they'll torture you, they'll kidnap you, it doesn't matter, he has an old Henry, I have to take that chance. Get candy, get candy, get candy. So the first time you hear the, the concept of Halloween, when you're a kid, your brain can't even process the information. You can, you're like, what, what is this? What did you say? So what did you say about giving out candy? Who was giving out candy? Everyone that we know is just giving out candy? Are you kidding me? When is this happening? Where? Why? Take me with you. I, I gotta be a part of this. I'll do anything that they want. I can wear that. Matt Thompson is my guest, and Matt, you have come up with another ingenious way to deliver candy and other things uh, to trick-or-treaters this year. Now, we are a ways out, but we still, we need to plan if we want to do anything like you. Matt Thompson, you're a carpenter by trade, is what I see on Facebook. Um, is, is that your full-time job, carpenter? No, actually, I'm a maintenance guy for a hospital. Carpentry is just my hobby. That's your love, right? Exactly. So do you need to be a carpenter? Do you have to have a love of carpentry to do what you did? I think so. I mean, well, I mean, as mean thing goes, but not really. By other inventions, I think so. I think you got to have a lot of uh, woodworking knowledge to make some of that stuff. Well, there's a video that is on Facebook that uh, we are hoping people will uh, take a look at because this is so clever. There's a lot of people freaking out about, we're not going to be able to go trick-or-treating. What's going on? Well, if we have more right, people like right. you, Matt, we are going to be able to have our trick-or-treating in a very ingenious way. So tell me, uh, what was the genesis of this idea that you came up with, the candy zip line? Well, so, you know, there was a story. I was inspired by another guy from Ohio who had uh, come up with this tube he put on his handrail and where he'll drop candy down the chute into the kid's bag. I talked to him over the weekend, actually. And it's Did pretty, yeah, it's pretty slick. Yeah, yeah, I want to give him credit. That was uh, my inspiration. I, but I thought, you know what, with the stuff that I make, I want to entertain people a little bit more. And uh, I like to add beer to a lot of the things I like. <laughs> I make, uh, well, any type of alcohol, really. N not for the children, of course, for the parents. That's, of Of course. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so we actually have one of those neighborhoods where we all kind of hang out and, you know, hand out beers. The neighbors hang out. and We have a fire out front. I don't know if that'll happen this year. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, something fun to look at. Uh, I just wanted to give other people ideas, too, you know. Get these kids out trick-or-treating. But this is a pretty extent. I mean, you know, my, my first thought when my producer said, man, there's a guy with a candy delivery zip line operation, I thought, okay, like <laughs> the old clothesline where, you know, you right. wheel it by hand going one way, pull it back the, by hand the other way. You ramped it up. So describe for our listeners what this thing is. So this is like, this is a, a basically, a, excuse me, a beer caddy. It holds two beers, wooden. Uh, it has two pulleys mounted to the top that sit on a zip line, but I also have a ghost that mounted to the end with the hands where you attach candy with a rubber band. And so you put a couple cans in and you shove this zip zip line, you shove it down the zip line about 30 feet to the sidewalk where the kids and the parents will take their stuff. And then I got a fishing reel hooked up to a drill that pulls it back uh, to reload and it pulls it back fast. I've already burned up two, uh, two fishing reels. Oh, with no. it. <laughs> so I, I got to figure out something for that. Okay. So, and, and it only takes a couple of seconds to get it back to you, right? Right, right, right. And, uh, and you've tested it, it's this out. Efficient. It's tested and tried and trued, right? 
That's right. Um, so is you, you said your community, the neighborhood you live in, during coronavirus pandemic, I, I'm guessing you guys have had driveway parties. You've got together social distance correctly, right? We have. In fact, I, I don't know if you looked at my page. I, I built a pretty crazy backyard bar recently, and so we, we have some neighbors over, and we try to keep our distance. But, uh, yeah, we still hang out. We're, we're playing it safe, though. And is, is Halloween usually a big thing for your neighborhood? When the weather is good, yes, it is a pretty uh, big deal. Everybody's got lights on and, uh, you know, handing out candy and hanging out and having fun. It's like every uh, community in America. The, uh, Halloween is just a thing. I mean, I remember it as a kid, even homemade costumes were fun. But, uh, you know, when you got your first store-bought one, you were all excited, and then you put the mask on <laughs> and the rubber bands, you know, it snaps. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, the, the ones from Kmart that smell funny, that plastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some kind of formaldehyde or something in there. Right, right. Uh, right. So, so uh, by uh, so your 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 job is you're a maintenance person at a hospital. Is that what you said? Yeah, I actually do uh, fire protection. It's it's kind of routine stuff. So I have a lot of time to think about what I'm going to make next. I love that. You know, working it working out in my mind while I'm uh, making money. So did you so did you verbalize to anybody that you were going to come up with this zipline idea, or did you just do it and then showed it off? I didn't. I'm careful to tell people um, what I'm making. Um, in my mind, somebody already has the idea and they're working towards making it. So as soon as I get the idea and the details worked out, uh, like the other Friday, I had the idea. So I started on, on my way home from work. I picked up the parts. I started putting it together on Saturday, uh, making my wife mad because we were supposed to do other stuff. <laughs> of course. I said, um, you know, I, I didn't make time for it, but uh, I wanted to start recording it on Monday. And I asked my neighbors and family, hey, we dress up your kids to to make this video because you know it makes a difference you don't know, see some trick-or-treaters there so uh, i think it, i knew it had all the elements it had a you know a zip line it had beer it had a fishing reel and <laughs> you know just it was i knew it was going to take off i had a feeling are any of the uh, major networks are they uh, are they reaching out to you oh yeah i was on uh, the tv show right this minute today uh, access hollywood tomorrow what but the coolest the coolest thing of all of this is that i got bud light's attention and I'm expecting a shipment of beer tomorrow. Hello, there you go. That's yeah, one for yeah. the neighborhood. <laughs> I love that. And and all the traction that's, that's that you're getting, all the traction you're getting on uh, Facebook, uh, thirty two hundred comments on your original post, uh, ten and a half thousand uh, emojis, uh, fifty some thousand shares you've had on this thing. Uh, did you ever think it was yeah. going to get this big? Well, I've had some videos hit, you know, 40 million, the, the Michigan wine chair, the Michigan beer chair. What? I had a really good feeling about this one. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and if you count all the other pages that have shared it, you know, I've got hundreds of millions of views on the things that I've made. Of course, you don't make any money off that, but it, it's still, I, you know, I just have a lot of fun doing this. Well, hold on. How come you're not making any money off it? Because uh, Facebook's obviously making money off of you. Well, it, you know, it's uh, it's a little tricky. you got to get, ad, you know, sponsorship and yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want to spend my time focusing on that. You know, I, I got my bills paid. I got you know beer in the fridge. I just want to go home, make stuff, and have fun. I love that. I, I love I, that. I, I think. I think a payday is coming. We'll. We'll see. You never. Hey, wait. You're getting a shipment from Bud Light possibly tomorrow, and you know we're yeah, right down yeah. the road from their headquarters. <laughs> by the way, we might well, have. Yeah, we might have some pull cool. here, buddy. Right. Right. Uh, so, what's next so, for you in your brain? You've already created this uh, candy zipline. Uh, wh- mm-hmm. Where's your brain going next? I don't really have a next big thing. Um, this week I've lined up the neighbors, the adult neighbors, because uh, Bud Light mentioned that they might want to repost it if there's no children in the video. So uh, 
this week I'm, I'm, I'm going to have uh, the friends and neighbors dressed up in their costumes for uh, uh, an adult Halloween. I love that. That is so great. Your your neighborhood, you know, you're one of those guys that, you know, uh, on like, I don't know, what is it, uh, the Learning Channel, they'll do the crazy Halloween night or the crazy Christmas Christmas light right, you know, right. fight. I think, buddy, I think you are in line for something like that, some kind of that notoriety. That'd be cool to be that guy. Well, I think you're becoming that guy, Matt. <laughs> well, right. Matt Thompson, uh, happy Halloween to you. Thanks for coming up with such happy a great Halloween. idea. And, uh, and and you know what? Even giving credit to the guy with the candy shoot that I talked to over the weekend. Sure, uh, absolutely. Everybody should inspire everybody in one way or another. And maybe Matt Thompson has uh, inspired you for your candy delivery system, which could be a zip line. All right, Matt, thanks for your time, buddy. My pleasure. Have a good day. All right, and have a happy Halloween. Thank you so much. I'm Bo Matthews. Coming up next on the program, I found an author with probably one of the coolest names on the planet. His name is Hammer. They called him Hammer when he was born. His mom looked down and said, oh, we'll call him Hammer. Hammer Trollkin, as in family of trolls. Hammer Trollkin is my guest. He wrote a couple of books in the sci-fi fantasy section that even if you're not a reader, I think you would enjoy it especially during this time when we're all looking for an escape. That is coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and uh, good to have you along. You know, if you are a reader, uh, I, I have a great idea of a book that you may want to get into. If you're not a reader, I say grab any book, and I challenge you to read just 10 pages a day and see if you can rekindle that uh, that love of reading. Uh, I started my adult career of reading back in 2007 when somebody gave me a book called The Shack by William P. Young. And I hadn't read a, a whole book in so long, but it was finally something I really wanted to, to read. And it's turned out to be one of my favorite books of all time. And then I found out the author of that book uh, only really wrote the book uh, for his children and his grandchildren. It was a Christmas gift. And what's ironic about my next guest, Hammer Trollkin started writing for his grandkids, and that's what got him on this path. So uh, welcome to St. Louis and welcome to KMOX. Hammer, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you, Bo. Good uh, to talk to you. That is true, though. You started writing for your kids or your grandkids, right? Yeah, um, mainly for my grandkids. I, I put together oh, maybe five, six, seven short stories for them and uh it, it was fun and then uh when i retired from my regular work it just seemed like a natural uh transition to to go into you know authorship writing well let's talk about the book shockwave now there's two books out there uh battle for earth journal one shockwave book one i read some of it on amazon where it's available and uh, I, I want to know about how long ago you wrote this book, because there were so many similarities to the world right now um, in isolation, you know, that we're all going through with this global pandemic. Well, what I loved about what I read so far of Battle for Earth, Journal One, uh, Shockwave, is that it's written as a journal. It's almost like uh, the author, you, uh, wrote it as though it was a real-life experience that you were just journaling as you introduced the different characters. But if you could, for those people that may have not read sci-fi very much, it's kind of a mix of sci-fi and fantasy um, and a lot of action. Uh, give us the premise of, of the book. Well, so what's happening with the book is uh, Earth has been invaded by aliens. And, and, and they're, you know, this is like a, uh, 
an invasion by by an empire, but this is the this is the group that comes in and and softens up a planet for the empire to come in and just take over, you know, a new world. So, okay. um, they're, they're they're the creatures. I mean, they're 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 pretty they're pretty nasty and they're horrible and that sort of thing. But um, really, it turns out that there's some good things that came of the of the invasion. For one thing, the the Earth. This is not in the too distant future. You know when. You know when it's uh, supposedly taking place. Oh, believe me, it was very reminiscent of, like I said, what we're going through right now with the isolation. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Earth is, you know, the, the people of the Earth are, you know, we're we're kind of a mess. It, you know, you see a lot of that now, right? There's also similar, <laughs> yeah, conflict. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that that's happening. So the, what the invasion does is it 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 brings all the people of Earth together, and so they they become a cohesive, uh, you know, fighting force and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and, and it goes on from there into the, into the series where, you know, some of these bad things, all these conflicts and things, the resolution of them, you know, even bad things can work towards something that's good. Right. And, and that, that's where the books go and, and, uh, you know, explore that sort of thing, you know, looking for hope and that, throughout the book again you know my mind was on current events as i was reading uh the the forward and, and reading some of the beginning of the book um you, you know you mentioned you know the human race coming together as as one to you know fight off the enemy uh and just passing uh 9 11 uh the anniversary uh you know a couple of weeks ago uh, I, I said, because the world is in such a disarray right now, I, I actually miss the Americans of 9-12 of 2001 when we were all waving our flags. We all felt like one team. We were going through this together. Um, back to the book, though. Uh, for anybody that's uh, looking for something great to read, Shockwave is what it's called by Hammer Trolkin. He's our guest on the program today. Uh, let's talk about the heroes that you've created in this in this book, like Viz and Para and Rock and roll. Explain some of these people that are in the book. Sure. So um, these, uh, what was what was interesting trying to do is, you know, this is science fiction. The fantasy part, I guess, comes in where um, this group of, of people um, accidentally become superheroes. They have superpowers. But, you know, fantasy is great, but I, I like to have a, a premise, you know, in, in science. So I, I did an awful lot of research to see, well, how could someone really, so Viz, invisible. Yeah. So Viz has this superpower where she can become, she can cloak. And she can actually, she can um, create a cloaking field so the whole team can be cloaked. And uh, so what happened is there's uh, the, the bugs I, I guess I, I, that's what they're called throughout throughout the book. So these these bug-like creatures or whatever, they uh, they soften up the earth, you know, as I suppose what would happen in an invasion, right? So they come in and and they're blowing up all the all the labs. Like DARPA is a, a Department of Defense, you know, kind of contractor, right? They do all kinds of uh, interesting work, and uh, you know, a lot of it is is for the military. But anyway, so in blowing up this lab. There's a there's a front lab for this DARPA lab. That's just you know a regular kind of place where it has all these you know wonderful things going on. You know, it's like the front of what's really going on, right? It's right the front of what's really happening. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so the bugs blow up uh, DARPA, 
and and the kids, the, their granddad is like a, a scientist, and he uh, his big thing is is artificial intelligence, right? So you know he he knows about the DARPA deal, but you know he he takes them to this lab because it just opened and it's uh, it's like a tour. Yeah, exactly, and it's a wonderful place, and they're having a great time. But then, you know, the, um, the, the there's an explosion down in the DARPA lab, and so all of this tech, you know, like uh, you know, nanobots and all this kind of stuff are are, are kind of blowing about, and and in this crucible, um, all these uh, powers come out for for most uh, well, actually for all of them. Big, big granddad is like the leader, you know, the, the semi-mature leader of the group. And, right. Um, and then there's the, the kids. So they all, they all get superpowers so that they can go out and, you know, so we can have a, you know, a shot at taking on these, these alien invaders. I think it's very interesting. Uh, rock and roll. They're the, the time shifter twins kind of thing, right? They can, they can be somewhere in a, in a moment and come back. You know, Hammer, Hammer Trollkin's our guest. And I, I, I will say this, that if anything, it's a nice escape. It's a nice escape just to, you know, turn the TV off, turn the news off and get your mind into something. And again, I've, I've become a really uh, hungry reader. I'm always reading something. I've always got two or three books going. And I just found that shockwave was uh, j- just a, a, a relief from, you know, the real world that we're living in. So but thank you for writing the books. I think they're fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, you've got two out so far. You've got shockwave. Uh, Battle for Earth, and then you have Shockwave Empire. Um, and these are both written as journals, as you know, so to speak. And is there a is there a, is it part of a trilogy? Yeah, it, there, there's going to be to tell the whole story. It's probably gonna it, it's going to take a few books, probably a good five or six. Mm-hmm. So um, right now, I'm working on book three very hard. That should come out. Oh, it's probably going to be towards the end of the year. I'm thinking as maybe an introduction to the series, um, within Shockwave, there's a lot of exciting, you know, sort of short stories. You know, the team is always going out on these adventures. Oh, yeah. But, so, so I think what I'm going to do, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of I'm noodling this right now and, and seeing, you know, I'm penciling it out to see what it looks like, but I think I'm going to take a bunch of these short stories from the books, uh, books one, two, and three, and, and do something of an anthology, you know, I'll, I'll bring these short stories together. So there'll be science fiction short stories. And, and what that'll do then is that'll give folks the chance to see if they, if they enjoy shockwave and get to know the, the team, you know, get to know the characters and, uh, and it's all, it'll all wrapped up in short stories instead of trying to take, you know, a big bite out of a, you know, of, a 350 page novel. You see what I'm saying? I, I do. I do. And I, but I can tell you just what I've read, which is, you know, a couple of chapters of the first book is it, it played out in my mind like a motion picture. So your, your writing is really easy to digest and enjoy and, and put yourself in the place. I felt like I was in the room with Viz and Para and rock and roll and I'm, you know, just a, a bystander. So really creative writing. And I, I wish you luck on finishing the third book and, and, who knows? Maybe Hollywood will look for you one day. <laughs> That'd be interesting now, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be. So, Hammer Trollkin. You can find him on Amazon. You can get his books on there. Just search Hammer Trollkin, and you will find the books Shockwave 1 and 2 that's available now and number 3 to come. Hammer, thank you very much for your time, sir. Good luck to you. Thanks. Appreciate it.
I'm Bo Matthews, and coming up in the next hour after the news, we are going to be talking about some serious stuff, including what's at stake when it comes to voter health issues. We are getting really close to the election, and we're not talking about debates necessarily, but we're talking about making sure you can get your vote in and how safely to do it. Also, this has been a trying time for so many families when it comes to relationships. Uh, you know, when you're in a marriage, you are, you know, and, and working from home and living at home during the pandemic isolation, if you want to call it that. There's a lot of struggles in relationships. We have a, an actual attorney that's going to talk about some of the ins and outs and what's going on in the world of divorce. And he's got some great suggestions that maybe divorce is not the answer. Uh, another thing, having kids at home a lot uh, means that there are some dangers in the house that they normally may not experience. So stick around. We're going to have a full hour coming up on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and my next guest also has a very cool name. Last hour, the cool name was Hammer Trollkin, and this time we have April Rain. Hi, April. Hi. Welcome to KMOX in St. Louis. What's at stake is a web series. This sounds like a passion project for you in uh, what's going on in our world, and we're looking for every opportunity to get as much information because we're all trying to make decisions, right? That's exactly right, Bo, and I really appreciate you having me on today. The coronavirus pandemic has permanently altered national conversation about healthcare in the United States. Between the steady rise of a right-wing lawsuit threatening to dismantle the Affordable Care Act in the middle of a pandemic, pharmaceutical megacorporations profiting off of the taxpayer-funded hunt for a vaccine, the legal battles against gender identity-based discrimination in healthcare, yep. diminishing access to quality healthcare for low-income people, and the newest pre-existing condition of surviving coronavirus, the American people are looking for answers. And we're looking for the answers of what are the long-term effects of that as well, because nobody even knows. I'm, I'm excited about therapeutics. Of course, the vaccine is in the works right now. But your web series that you have created uh, takes on all of these important things. So let's, let's dive into what's most important to you. Absolutely. I, I think it all matters. You know, you mentioned coronavirus and 10 years ago, the Affordable Care Act took historic action to safeguard people with pre-existing conditions from discrimination by health insurance companies. Since then, millions of Americans have been able to access quality, affordable care for the first time. Now, countless people are grappling with America's newest pre-existing co condition, COVID-19. So we are going to be talking with survivors of the virus who are now seeking health care. Um, we're going to be talking about the still unknown long-term effects of surviving the virus and what the right-wing lawsuit threatening to dismantle the Affordable Care Act could mean for the fast-growing number, number of Americans who now have this new pre-existing condition. I mean, the concern here is that we don't know what we don't know. You know, I, I've seen people who said, I survived coronavirus and now I have glaucoma. I have survived COVID-19, and now I'm having kidney issues. And this could happen for months or years down the line, and that's the concern. If we lose the Affordable Care Act, how are these people who now have a pre-existing condition going to get quality, affordable health care? So the question, and I haven't heard the scenarios that you just spoke of. I know a handful of people that have had COVID-19, uh, my sister, my nephew, uh, some dear friends, a husband and wife, they both had it. And all of them, well, my, my sister, my family said, well, it was like having the cold and the flu at the same time. 
time. My other friends that I know, uh, they said it was just like having a bad cold. So it's different for everybody. Of, of course, you know, with the, uh, you know, who's got uh, immune deficiencies and things like that, underlying conditions like you talk about. Um, so, so where do we fit in when it comes to the, the long-term effects? In, in the web series, what have you guys covered so far? Absolutely. So we have had three episodes in the web series so far, and it is every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Central. You can go to healthcarevoter.org to RSVP because we definitely want to hear from people with comments and questions during the series. Our most recent one was just yesterday, and we talked about gender, health care, and the Supreme Court. The next will be Wednesday, October 14th. Again, 5 p.m. Central Time, and we're going to be talking about healthcare as a family affair. For the 2 million young people under the age of 26, like my son who's in college, who have been able to access healthcare under their parents' plans, to the nearly 12 million seniors who have been able to access more affordable prescription drugs, the Affordable Care Act has guaranteed access to quality, affordable healthcare for millions of Americans over the last decade. But this intergenerational struggle to manage health concerns in an unprecedented pandemic continues from mothers worried about how to care for new babies to concerns for older Americans living in, in uh, nursing homes. Oh, yeah. And so we will have a special episode um, talking to families that have benefited from the ACA. Um, we're also on Wednesday, October 28th. We're going to talk about um, coronavirus, America's newest pre-existing condition. And in earlier episodes, we talked about Medicaid expansion and the organized crime of Big Pharma. So if people have missed one of the older episodes, they can go to our Facebook page at Healthcare Voter, all one word, to watch those older episodes. April Rain is our guest. She's the host of What's at Stake. And uh, the one thing I would really like to talk to you about was uh, the revelation of the median age of deaths of COVID-19 was, I think the president said about a month ago, 81 years old. In my county that I live in, the median age is 78. Of course, we're talking about people in long-term you know, nursing home type of settings. But as we get closer and closer to the election, um, and there's there's a lot of talk about mail-in voting, absentee balloting, things like that. Uh, and I think that's a real concern, April. I really do. I think people are fearful that they could contract something. But I guess I, I find it interesting that you can go to a voting poll and usually the desks are divided by little walls. I, so I guess I'm a, a little shocked at you know the extreme fear of going to just vote. Um, what, do you guys do you guys broach that situation during this time in in what's at stake? Absolutely, and and the concern is not just the social distancing, right? Because we all want to remain as far apart from others as we can, but it's also the amount of time. So if we're talking about seniors who are going to the polls, um, you know, and what we know is that the polling places are being closed down, unfortunately all around this country. So if you thought perhaps, you know, four years ago, you had a polling place that maybe was just a few miles from you, if that polling place is closed, you may have to drive 20 miles or something to get to a polling place. And that's happening all over the country. So that's part of the concern. You know, seniors, as you mentioned, who may be in nursing homes, you know, they may have some sort of a a ride to the polls in in one of their vans. But if they have to go that much further, that might be an issue. And so that's why we're saying, People should find out where their polling place is, request a mail-in ballot um, right away, and then send it back immediately. 
um, because different states have different requirements. Oh, they yeah. have to be, um, they all, they all have to at least be postmarked by November 3rd, but then there's a different question about when they need to be received and vote early if you can. So for me, I don't like going on election day because I know that there are going to be lines. Right. Um, and, but in my area, at least, um, I can go a week before November 3rd and vote at my convenience. So maybe that's after work. Maybe that's after I pick up some groceries or something like that. And the lines are much shorter. So we're definitely asking folks to make a plan um, so that they can vote and vote early. Yeah, and some some states you have to have a notary. I actually had a, a, a notary, you know, notary public uh, on my show a couple of weeks ago. And some states are requiring a notary to make sure that the ballot is legit and all that good stuff. But when it comes to the concerns of healthcare uh, and voting, I guess I thought my polling place for me personally, for my residents, is only one location. If that was closed, can I just go to the next available? I, I, I thought I had to go to that one specific situation. I, and this may not be your expertise. i just throwing it out there. Sure. Well, the best thing to do is go to uh, go onto the, uh, Google and find out where your voting place is and ensure that it hasn't moved. And while you're there, make yeah. sure that you are still registered to vote because that's what some people are finding out. You know, they've voted in every single election. They don't think anything is going to be an issue. And yet, you know, when they get there, they realize that, that something has gone wrong, that they've been purged from the polls or what have you. And so people can go to vote.org to check their registration, to register if they're not already, to request a ballot to um, get election reminders, you know, and to determine where their polling place is so that you, again, make a plan. Um, we're also saying that people can become poll workers, you know, spend an afternoon with the folks in your community, making sure that everything goes smoothly. You know, again, we talked about um, seniors coming to the polls who might need some assistance um, and millions and millions of young people who are going to be voting for the first time and may have some questions. So that's a great way to be part of the, um, the democracy. All really good points, April. Thank you so much for saying those. You know, early on in uh, the pandemic in March, April, you know, we're all thinking, okay, it's only going to be a couple of weeks and we'll be back to normal. Here we are months later. But uh, when we realized it was going to be a lot longer is when I was like, hold on. The, the people that that host the voting poll in my area and most areas around the country are a lot of senior citizens because they have the time to do it. And I was so concerned about them. So I think the bottom line here is we just urge everybody to get the information, vote early if you can, and make sure it's safe. Otherwise, uh, you know, you'll, you'll probably run to Walmart, get your TP, rub up against everybody else, and then go to the voting poll and you won't worry about it. I don't know. But April, uh, here's a question for you before I let you go. Where do you see what's at stake going? going in the future post-election? Well, the, the issues are going to change after November 3rd. Right? So it, it's and not going away, is my point. Know, no, not, not at all. And in fact, there is a health care repeal lawsuit coming before the Supreme Court literally one week after the election. Wow. And so we're still going to be having these conversations because health care for millions of Americans is at stake. And so that's why we're going to continue to have these conversations. Well, April, uh, you are legit. Uh, practiced law for over 15 years, and uh, your turn, your, your your life took a turn, is what I read. And uh, and here you are on uh, with raw conversation about real things that affect every one of us in America. And I cannot thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much for amplifying this important issue, Bo. It was great talking with you today. Let's talk again. What's at stake? You can find it where on the internet. 
healthcarevoter.org, all one word, healthcarevoter.org. Thank you again, Bo. It has been absolutely my pleasure to speak with you. Okay, if you haven't heard, it is tough for families right now living through the isolation and divorce rates are on the rise. It's so sad. There's a new book out called Exit Strategy, and divorce may not be the only option. There's a new book out called Exit Strategy, and attorney Mark Hefner is our guest next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. People are staying at home a lot more, working from home, not leaving during isolation time during this pandemic, And I've heard so many friends that are having struggles, not only with their kids, but with each other, because I think, you know, let's go back to the caveman days, you know, the hunter and gatherer left and was gone for, you know, hours or days or weeks at a time. And, uh, and another, you know, parent or parental subject would stay back at the cave. And now you have both parents in the cave for a lot of time. And that's why it is sad to say we are seeing a rise in divorce rates. Mark Hafner is my uh, is my guest, and I, I don't even know where this conversation is going to go, Mark. But uh, let's talk about your new book. It's called Exit Strategy, but exit may not be the only answer, right? Absolutely not. No, um, you know, divorce should be a, a last ditch effort more than anything else. If you guys can save your marriage, one of the things I actually recommend in the book is try and go to a therapist beforehand, see if you guys can work on communication. Sure. Um, Divorce should be kind of the last option. But that being said, staying in an unhealthy relationship, especially if you have kids, uh, I think studies have shown that that's also really bad for kids. It's terribly sad. Yes. It's it's not a happy time and it's you know, not what you want your kids to remember of childhood is mom and dad fighting nonstop. Right. Oh, that's true. And I, I come from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was seven and it it's it's rough. I mean I I, I still this many years later I, I wish they would still get back together. It's impossible. But um but really these are side effects. You know, we're hearing about suicide rates and depression and divorce rates are on the rise. These are all side effects of not so much the actual coronavirus or the COVID nineteen but of the environment that we're all living in. So your your book, Exit Strategy, talks to what? Talks to what for the people that are listening right now that are struggling? Yeah, sure. Exit Strategy is a, is a book about understanding and kind of going through the divorce from tips on if you're, if you're going to be going through it to describing the process of it so you kind of understand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Divorce, for most people, is extremely scary, and a lot of it is just complete unknown. So what I try to do with this is really take some of the unknown out of it um, and then also give kind of tips if you are going to end up going through it on how best to resolve the situation. It turns out to be, uh, I mean, when you take the emotion out of it, it turns out to be a business deal, right? This is this is how long we've been together. These are what we've, uh, you know, the belongings we've gathered. And how do you dice that up? It is. It's. I mean, when it comes, and that's what uh, the problem that I think a lot of family law attorneys, and I'm not going to exclude myself from this, sometimes get to where you know we're, we're looking at numbers on a balance sheet, but this is your life. Right. Then um, there's a lot of emotion attached to it. Uh, I've had situations where we have settled million dollar cases, and it came down to the vacuum cleaner, and both of them drew a line of sand. <laughs> um, uh, yes. It, it's just <laughs> one of those things where it's like it makes 
me and I, actually opposing counsel in that case both offered to buy whoever didn't get the vacuum cleaner a new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> oh my god! And, and there's and a, we, I went on a, I went on a tram ride in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and the guy that was with us goes, "See that house right there? That was literally cut in half by a chainsaw." And and half of it was removed and it was delivered to the spouse and then they rebuilt the other half again. It, it's people go crazy during this time. They do, they do, and, and it's a real expensive time to lose your lose your cool and, and make emotional decisions. Um, that's the other thing you want to try and make sure you're doing is not making decisions that are going to either result in forcing a trial and maybe get a result that nobody's happy with. Uh, in addition to the major expense that comes to going through a contested dissolution. So when you, you know, your first suggestion was, you know, at the last step before coming to see a divorce attorney, you talk about a therapist. What if one is in on a therapist idea and the other one is out? What do you, what do you tell that person? Well, unfortunately it, it it takes two to try and work on a marriage, but it only takes one uh, needed to go ahead and end it. And I've had situations where people are saying, you know, Oh, I'll never sign. We don't need your signature. We only need the judge's signature. So it's best <laughs> to try and, and, and come to grips with. If the other one is is checked out of this relationship, you kind of got to get ready for it uh, one way or the other, and sticking your head in the sand is probably the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it, it's so rough. I don't wish divorce. I had one many years ago after a couple of your marriage. I don't wish it on anybody. It is the worst to go through because it's your heart, it's your wallet, it's everything, and it's both your families. You know, it's just, it's it's so bad. But when you're in a situation like this where people are together a lot, like I, I we're very fortunate, my wife and I, we have a, a you know, a building uh, on our property that she can go to and paint. She's an artist. I can be in my studio down here. You know, we, we look at each other and we go, okay, we're squaring off right now, right? Yep, you're going there, I'm going over here. So you really do have to sometimes get creative on how to, you know, especially when tensions are getting high to just take a breath. Absolutely. And I think, uh, the last seven months has probably been the hardest, uh, in, in recent history of being able to have that time away. So you're getting to really know your spouse and, and a Unfortunately, a lot of people are realizing they don't have much in common or they don't really get along anymore. Yeah, you're right there. we got Jesus in common. I know that. Uh, exit strategy. <laughs> no, seriously, sometimes when it gets down to it, that's all you got. But exit strategy is the name of the book. It's available on Amazon. And uh, this is a, 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 pa- a compassionate guide to divorce if it really is the last option. Um, other challenges that you're having when clients are coming to you has got to be that the courts aren't as busy uh, getting these divorces done, right? Definitely. And they, you know, they open and close left and right. I think I just got notice a little bit ago that St. Charles is now closed down for two weeks. Wow. And what we're trying to do is do as much of it over Zoom as possible or, or virtual hearings. Uh, but a lot of times you can't do it because the attorney, for one reason or the other, wants to have, you know, question the witness in person. They want the judge to see, you know, how, how the other person works. There's also the fear that maybe some outside force is texting your witness and telling them what to say as they're on the on the stand, which you you know of course can't do when you're live, but doing it virtually, we've had these problems. Um, so it, it has been a challenge. I have to give credit to to all the courts for really doing their best to try and work around it. But it is uh, every day is a new day, wow. and we're, we're <laughs> some days it's good, and some days it really falls behind. But yeah, it's I think everything's going to be pretty backlogged for a bit. So getting the uh, the contested things done are going to take a little while. The uncontested ones are still 
going relatively quick, yeah. relatively smooth. Yeah, and it is. You know, it's it's you know, uh, uh, divorce is an elective, kind of like the, an elective surgery, and so there's delays or there's postponements, just like a boob job or just like a divorce. Um, so you've you've really got to do everything you can to make that thing work. And you know, I, I'll just throw this out there: sometimes just going on a like a, a two week break, just you know, go separate vacation might change your entire world uh but with everything that we've got going on with these these rectangles we carry around everywhere with us uh it can get us into trouble because it's it's so much boredom i, I mark i'll just share with you i watched the dile- uh, the social dilemma if you haven't seen it i recommend it i highly recommend it um but as i'm watching this documentary on social media and how it's affecting our lives marriages r- relationships our kids lives um, I, I get a, a warning that says, hey, your average screen time for the week is seven and a half hours a day. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could have spent seven and a half hours with just my wife and we could have had we could have went for a road trip or we could have had a good time instead of staring at these dang screens, you know? Absolutely. And in, in fact, the book even covers one of the worst things you can do during the divorce is uh, post a bunch of things on social media. Oh, yeah. Either you're out having a great time or you're slamming the other person. <laughs> I mean, that's all admissible. Judges look at it, too. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you that, that social media uh, is not anyone's friend, either in probably trying to keep a relationship or when, when dissolving one. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't, like I said, if you haven't seen that documentary, I'm screaming it from the mountaintops because it is so uh, eye-opening. Mark Hefner is our, uh, our uh, guest here. He's a local lawyer and author of a new book called Exit Strategy. Uh, this is man-to-man. Uh, just a question for you. Uh, you know, we're all going through this, so you're going through an isolation period just like the rest of us. How are you dealing with all this? Are you doing okay? You know, actually, we've we've been very lucky. I, I, I'm lucky enough to be married to my best friend, and, awesome. and we've done, we've done uh, a lot. It's not to say that, you know, we don't have our, our, our days where we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but oh, yeah. we're, we're usually able to, to fight through them. Um, and I, I so far, I think I, if, if nothing else, this has either done one of two things for relationships, either brought them closer or, or further apart. And in my situation, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have, uh, I think, come closer together. 100%. You know, uh, Andy Frisella is the owner of First Form and Supplement Superstores. I heard him early on, like within the first two weeks of the beginning of the pandemic, he said, there's going to be two types of people. There's going to be one group that's just going to crumble and fall to the side and just not know what to do. And the other group is going to thrive and they're going to, they're going to get creative and they're going to do big things. They're going to build their relationships and things like that. So that's really my hope for people is to, to be better through this because we're all going through it. And, uh, and again, I, I don't wish divorce on my worst enemy. Mark Hafner, thank you so much for your time. Good luck on your book. Is there an audio version of it? A Kindle version talk about where we can get it. Yeah, uh, Amazon, there is a, it's a, the physical copy you can order, or there is a Kindle version as well. Awesome. Mark, good luck to you and your best friend. I hope you uh, endure this just fine, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. My name is Bo Matthews. I told you this was going to be a serious hour. Uh, not only are divorce rates on the rise, uh, calls to the poison help number are up by 70% since the start of pandemic for hand sanitizers alone. And it's a perfect storm for highly vigilant, highly distracted parents, increased use of cleaning products leading to increased dangers for children. We're going to talk to an expert about this and what can be done to keep our kids safe next. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. We uh, talked about uh, the dangers of the isolation that we're all experiencing during this pandemic. We talked in the last break of how divorce is on the rise. 
Uh, we need to talk about the kids. And I told you this was going to be a serious hour because there are a lot of things to be concerned with, especially when it comes to everybody's at home, everybody's living on top of each other. Well, there is an organization called Safe Kids Worldwide, and Daphne Greenley is uh, is part of that group, the network manager. Welcome to KMOX in St. Louis. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I think this is so important because we're doing everything to keep our families, uh, young and old, as uh, safe as possible. Tell me about this uh, organization. I've never heard of Safe Kids Worldwide. What is that? What do you guys do? Sure. We're a global organization uh, that is working to protect kids from injuries at, at home, at, on the road, and at play. We know preventable injuries are the number one cause of death for children in the U.S. So we work with an extensive network of over 400 coalitions across the U.S. Um, that work diligently just to prevent injuries to kids from motor vehicle crashes, drownings, fires, poisonings, and burns. And with a uh, with the coronavirus and isolation, uh, kids are at home, and there is a big danger of poison. When I saw the statistic of uh, of the calls to the poison help number up seventy percent since the start of the pandemic, just for hand sanitizers alone, I was my jaw hit the ground. So, uh, and, and a lot of those con- a lot of those containers look like something that they're not, don't they? They absolutely do. It's a sad, sad number to look at, um, but we know with, you know, more cleaners in the home and parents are being so much more diligent about keeping the house clean, there's just more risk for injuries and for children who get exposed to poisons. And, you know, with the, as you mentioned, the containers, they, they look like sometimes like water bottles and food pouches. And when you take all of that into account, it's really difficult for a young child to gauge what is a safe thing and what is not. You know, in in radio, we get exposed to a lot of new things in the world. And I just was with a colleague of mine, and he pulled something out of his pocket that looked like an air freshener. And it was an alcohol vaporizer thing. And I thought, well, that kind of looks like a toy. So it, I'm sure that to a child, that would look like a toy. So so this call and this conversation with you, Daphne, is is really just keeping this top of mind, correct? Correct. Just just making parents be aware you know, things that we're using to, to keep our homes clean can also be a danger, you know, if a child has access to it. But trying to be aware of where we're keeping those, where we're storing those, and, you know, what to do in case of an accident that happens. What do you think is the most dangerous? Is it the bleaches or the alcohol-based products? What do you think is the most worst? Right now, what we're seeing from January to August um, this year compared to last year, there's been that 70% increase that you talked about in the in the hand or excuse me in the hand sanitizer. Yeah. But we're also seeing a 20% higher in the cleaning products, and most of those are coming from bleaches. Um, but we're also seeing some from the non-alcohol disinfectants um, and other things as well. Now, I have some dear friends that just had a little boy six months ago during the pandemic, during the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, and they were talking about how they, you know, they talk about, you people talk about baby proof in a home, but we just take for granted that the, you know, the, the bathroom cleaner or the, you know, kitchen cleaner uh, is just under the cabinet. But when you've got little ones running around, especially if you've got multiple children, it's hard to keep an eye on all of those tricycle motors running around the house too, right? Absolutely. You know, parents have so much on their plate right now. And then add to the mix that kids are in the home more than they've ever been before. You know, that's a big job (laughs) for parents. And it's very difficult. And what we see is, like you mentioned, you know, that the products are often kept in lower cabinets or set on a countertop. And anything that's eye level to a child is just so enticing and 
they learn by putting everything in their mouth. So it's a great idea when they're small like that before they even get mobile, you know, getting on your hands and knees and kind of trying to see that room through a child's eyes and, you know, what are those potential risks. Yeah, last week uh, on my show, we had the uh, National Coalition for Aging, and, and they were talking about their Falls Prevention Week, right? And uh, and, and it's like, well, what do you do? what kind of organization is that? It really is about top of mind. You've got, there's so many important things that we all have to keep track of, who's paying the bills, who's cleaning what, and so this is just one more thing, especially when it comes to the kids. Like you said, kids uh, learn by putting stuff in their mouth, okay, this is good, this is bad, but some can be deadly, and that's why you guys do what you do. Yes, definitely. And and as we, we are, you know, so busy and in the home so much more, you know, we are seeing, you know, a little bit less supervision, and that's why those increased numbers to the call center are happening, because kids are exploring and they're, they're climbing and they're getting into things that they normally wouldn't have done so. So what is a number or what is your website that people can go to uh, to find out more information at uh, at your at your network uh, that you guys have, Safe Kids Worldwide? Yeah, so they can visit our website at safekids.org. We have all kinds of safety guides for parents and tips and some wonderful resources um, that parents can take advantage of just to keep their kids and families safe. And uh, if this is if this is the one thing that we can share with parents or grandparents that have little ones running around, because grandparents are often the caretakers of the children as well, what's the one takeaway that's probably the most important? Is it uh, is it the chemicals low on low to the ground? I, I would say it's a, it's a combination of two things. One is where you're storing the products. So not not, not only should they be out of children's reach, but they should be out of children's sight. So that they're not, you know, enticing for the kids. And the other thing I would say is make sure that you have the poison helpline number saved in your phone and posted somewhere in your home for all of your caregivers to have access to that. And that number is 800-122, excuse me, that number is 800-222-1222. Okay, easy enough to remember. Daphne Greenlee, uh, the Network Manager, Global Home Safety Programs for Safe Kids Worldwide. How long have you been with the organization? I have been with the national organization for a year, but I served as a local coordinator um, serving the southwest Missouri portion for about 17 years. So working with families um, for a number of years just to keep kids safe. Do you think parents are listening to you? I hope so. (laughs) We know planning is a tough job, you know, and everybody's doing the best that they can for kids. But like you said, sometimes we're just so busy that we forget the everyday thing. Yeah. Are you a mom too? I am. Mine are, mine are older. <laughs> oh, so you've uh, a by, lot of these same things too. Trial by error, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Uh, during this crazy time that we're all living in on this uh, planet we uh, call Earth, Daphne, thank you so much for your expertise and your recommendations. And again, the website again, safekids.org, correct? Correct. Thank you so much. It has been a busy couple of hours, and we are almost done, but I do want to share with you that if you have heard something on the show that you'd like to share with somebody or you'd like to re-listen to it again, we invite you to download the Radio.com app wherever you get your apps. It's a free app to download, and there are a lot of choices of entertainment, of music, and talk radio just like here on KMOX. So go to your App Store or Google Play and get the Radio.com app. And in that app, it's very cool because there's a uh, rewind button a radio rewind button so you can re-listen to segments and again you can share it as well uh but we've got some final thoughts on the program coming up next on the voice of st louis kmox
It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and we've gone the whole show without talking about the debate, really, in depth. And last week, we gave you a couple of rules to live by in a debate drinking game. Now, I suggested Kool-Aid or milk or chocolate milk or something like that, but whatever whatever your beverage of choice is, that's fine. Um, I did, however, uh, pour a huge double white Russian with collusion. Um, I'm sorry, Kahlua, that's what I meant. Uh, and I was through it by about halfway through the presidential debate this last Tuesday, and the guy that I created the rules with is Brian. You've heard him several times on my show. Brian, welcome back to KMOX. How are you? Oh, hungover. <laughs> yeah, me too, a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it was it was exhausting, and you know, there's been so much. Whether it was private conversations among people, or it was uh, you know talk radio pundits talking about the debate, everything. It seems like everything has been said. Um, I just wanted to give you the debate by the numbers. The Commission on Presidential Debates, a nonpartisan body that has organized presidential debates since 1988, Trump interrupted Biden 73 times. It says Biden spoke for 43 minutes and Trump only spoke for 38 minutes. And the longest topic of conversation was coronavirus, which turned out to be 20 minutes long. But Chris Wallace, I thought, was a waste of money, whoever had to pay him that day, because he just couldn't hold court like he thought he could. I don't know if anybody could have controlled that. So I'm not going to criticize him for his his running of the debate. Seems like he came to uh, Joe's rescue quite a bit, and he certainly tried to be the dominating the dominating person in the room. As we all know, that in any room, whether it's a, a three people in a room or a group of people or a whole you know a panel of people, there can really only be one alpha dog. And Chris Wallace was not that. In an interview, he says it was a terrible missed opportunity, and that he never dreamed it would go off the tracks the way it did. That's words from Chris Wallace. Think he's right. Nobody could have expected that. So as so, we as we look to the second debate, uh, I certainly hope it happens. I, I did see that there were you know sixty five million people watched the first one. Um, I bet that there's going to be even more people watching the second one. And I want to just tell you this: uh, that when they had the the the, the stage set. And before the candidates came out to do the debate, I, I looked at my wife and I said, it almost looks like a WWE Monday Night Raw stage. <laughs> and then it turned That's, out to be just that. They, they, maybe they should go in the ring. And I, I'm <laughs> telling you, they need to throw out all of the moderators, bring in Jerry Springer. <laughs> You're right. Uh, it, it was crazy. But, you know, what do you think the, uh, the Biden team is saying to, to Joe? And what do you think the Trump team is saying to him? I truly believe that the Biden team believes that they won. Uh, however, so I, I've, I've watched as many of the segments over again as I can, and I still can't come up with a spot where he actually answered a question, talked about policy, enumerated any of his plans, and even when pressed on it, uh, he got rescued by Chris Wallace. So yeah, I would agree. Uh, it felt yeah, like, you know, I, I was looking for policy. I was looking, you know, he's all he's been saying is you've got to listen to the scientists and do your job to the president, whether in public uh, forums, you know, before the debate or even on the stage about listening to the scientists. But Joe Biden never, t- in my opinion, never laid out what he would do to improve the situation of this, quote unquote, pandemic. No, he just blames it all on Trump. 
the Trump team, I think, needs to try in whatever way possible to get Trump to just shut up. For Democrats that are listening to the program, uh, I have this fact that uh, it it looks like 90% of Americans have already made up their mind on who they're going to vote for, regardless of the debates. But moving to the next debate, which probably will have more viewers, I think that they can improve this by not having a moderator at all. How about just two guys sitting down over a beer or a glass of Kool-Aid and just talk about stuff. Could you imagine just these two guys talking to each other? I don't. I don't think that's possible at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't. No, I think no. it, would, it would just be that. You know, we saw that same thing during the Democratic debate. Everybody trying to talk over each other, holding their hands up. Oh, oh, oh! Pick me. That type of thing. Right. Uh, it was. It was like a schoolyard brawl then, uh, and and that didn't even include the biggest schoolyard brawler, you know, who was our commander in chief. Uh, so this is actually to be expected. I would almost say that they'd be better off if you have a moderator, that's great, but the, the microphones need to be on timers. Yeah. For the and two minute you, you segments, two cause minutes, that was the rules. And then, and then it turns off on its own. <laughs> you know, I actually envisioned them being in like, uh, you know, one of those game shows where you have to go in a, a seclusion booth where you can't hear anything else. I think having them both in capsules, uh, and I'm being serious now because otherwise you will never hear, we didn't hear anything. And if, right. you, if they had the rules set in place and I don't know if they would have, you know, lived to those rules, but if they did, we would at least be able to hear what the other person says. Now, here's a scenario that I took away, by the way, that it felt like, uh, Trump was like Mike Tyson, just, you know, unrelentless, just going, 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 right. going, going, and he wouldn't stop. And on your Mike Tyson analogy, it would, it would be if, if my, if me and Mike Tyson were in the ring. Everybody expects Mike Tyson to kick my butt. But every time he lands a punch, he hits me in the crotch, and they take that point away. <laughs> right. And we go the distance, and it's a 7-6 to six win. But in Trump's defense, I will say this much, that if, if you, Brian, walk into a room and there's 10 people in the room, and there's somebody that is your foe, somebody you don't like, that just starts saying and to the whole group of people that you're standing there talking to, that just starts lying about Brian, just like, oh, right. he did this, he did this, and he did this, would you stay quiet, and would you and wait until they finished? Right, and, and, and that's a great point, it, it, that requires a level of discipline that, that is very, very rare, uh, and like I said, that now that there should be the moderator's uh, position to some extent. Yeah, and I don't think I could it's, stay quiet, I really don't. Right. Brian, it's it's always good to talk to you. Hey, what do you have for the vice presidential debate? Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but but I I got nothing. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> no drinking debate rules uh, on that one, I guess. Oh, I'll be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Kool Aid, I'm sure. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's going to wrap it up. My name is Bo Matthews. Thanks so much for listening. Again, check out the podcast on camox.com, or better yet, go and get that radio.com app. You can download and replay and share if you choose uh, segments of my show or the entire show. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. We will talk next week on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.